The Holy Gospel according to John, the 12th chapter. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of, the, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. A few weeks ago, when we were talking about funeral planning, I explained that throughout my professional life, I have made a habit of breaking taboos. My first career was fundraising, where we talked about money a lot. And then I became a pastor, and part of my job is to talk about God and religious tradition. And I also worked as a hospital chaplain, where I had holy conversations about death. Money, religion, dying, all things that are generally excluded from polite conversation. But when I was fundraising, I got to have conversations with people about what kind of legacy they wanted to leave and how they wanted to use their charitable giving to tell a story about their lives or their values. And one conversation I remember was not with a donor, but among the staff in our advancement office. As we were thinking about how to ask people for contributions, we talked about why people give. This was not in a church, but another nonprofit, and some of the reasons included recognition, duty, loyalty, and even guilt. And while those reasons may be part of why you give, in the church, we teach that our giving is a response to what we have first been given, a response to the abundant grace and forgiveness of God, and a response to the fullness of life that we have. 
that especially here in our congregation, we have roofs over our heads, we have clothes on our backs, and food in our bellies. As Pastor Jonathan preached last week, when we rightly recognize that everything we have belongs to God, the question we ask isn't how much are we giving, as much as it is what are we holding back or keeping back from God. During this season, as you reflect on how you will go deeper in your faith and what that may look like, as you make choices about your time, financial resources, and the gifts that you share with our congregation, our neighbors, and our world, I want to offer another way to think about being stewards of what God has first given us. I truly believe that stewardship, planning how we will respond to what God has first given us, is worship. And that giving is joyful. In our Lutheran tradition, worship is fundamentally about what God is doing and our response to God's action. Worship is an encounter with our holy God. The one who saves us through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So looking at today's text, we see where our response to God is gratitude. And where our response to God's generosity is praise. It is worship. In Genesis, Jacob receives a vision where the Lord speaks to him. And in response... Jacob awakes and says, surely the Lord is in this place. And how awesome is this place? And he takes a stone and he sets it up as a pillar and he pours oil over it, creating an altar to the Lord. And in Psalm 96, the psalmist commands us, Sing to the Lord, bless his name, declare his glory. And then it says, bring an offering. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Our song and our worship is our response to the greatness of the Lord. In 2 Timothy, the author states his gratitude to God. And remembers the gifts that God has given them. The spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And then he asks Timothy to guard the treasure. Which in this context is not gold or silver. But faith and love in Christ Jesus. That was entrusted to him. And then to depend on the Holy Spirit. For help. One of the places where we remember the faith that we have been given and where we ask for God's help is here in worship. And finally, we have the gospel text where we witness the extravagant gift 
that Mary gives to Jesus. Jesus is with friends at the home of Lazarus, of Lazarus in Bethany at a dinner, and the evangelist John tells us that Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. Most of us aren't surprised when Judas Iscariot objects, and maybe a part of us even agrees that Mary's action is reckless or excessive. But Jesus doesn't. He praises Mary, recognizing her gift as a gift of love. Mary was delighted to pour out this gift and treasure for Jesus. Her action was an expression of her love, an expression of her adoration of Jesus. It was an offering, and it was worship. I've said before that God is always the actor in our Bible stories and in our lives of faith. We are called to live in response to what God has already done. And so our gratitude and our praise for God who abundantly loves us and has set us free from sin is why we give. Our giving is joyful because like Mary, it is an expression of our delight and our response to all that we have first been given. And worshiping God, responding to what God has done is central to our life of faith and following Jesus. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, thank you for all you have given us. May we delight in your love for us, and may we depend on your Holy Spirit to help us respond faithfully with glad and generous hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.